Hello! You're listening to Putting Up with Aaron Michael Marsh. Nerf! How's that? The, mo- the most interesting thing, I think, about this already is that you refuse to believe that people are talking to you and they're not talking to your dogs. <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure? I'm positive. It seems like if I'm just like, hello, Channel you're like, oh yes, Gizmo and Starlight. It, you're like, some people talk to you. Do you know that people talk to you? Well, sometimes, but you know, it's a shock when that happens because a lot of times it is the dogs, like when we go grocery shopping or, you know, like when we go out into public, like strangers will just approach and start talking to the dogs. Like, what is your name? What is your name? And like, I have to talk like I'm them. (laughs) You don't have to talk like you're them. I feel like I need to match what they're doing so that I'm just like, oh, I'm Gizmo. I'm Starlina. I don't know. Yeah, so I think but, I'm so used to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's your choice. It's a fine choice, but sometimes people are talking to you. I know it's funny because like people will be like, oh, it's great to meet you. And then they look at me, you too. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm involved. I feel like I, I feel like this is just the way you process it. I don't feel like it's the way it's actually happening. Oh my gosh, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, because it's almost in a, because I say this because when I was watching your stand-up act, I was like, you're presenting it like the dogs were like, we're doing stand-up. And you're like, well, I'm supportive mom, so here I am. And you're like, there's no way. <laughs> well, they wrote it. <laughs> No, they didn't write it. What would you do if all of a sudden they just took out like a pad of paper and started writing? Yeah, I understand the the fun of what would you do if a dog did that. But (laughs) that would be pretty awesome. That would be pretty awesome. And okay, so I'm going to start from the beginning. There's you, pre-dogs. Were there dogs before these dogs? Yes. Were those dogs also entertainer dogs? No. Okay. At what point did you look at dogs and go, these dogs are now my livelihood? I never did. I absolutely never thought of it. I wish I would have thought of it when I was a kid. That would have been awesome. But um, I uh, I started off in acting when I moved to Los Angeles and um, I booked a couple gigs and one mm-hmm. of the directors that I worked with called frantically and he's like, oh my gosh, um, the dog from the commercial that I'm doing is not able to make it. The owner called and said they can't come. The dog looks just like Gizmo. Would you come and have Gizmo, you know, be in, be in the commercial? And I'm like, well, he's not an actor. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, but you take him everywhere and you've trained him. Like he's a trained dog. And I'm like, well, I don't know. He goes, well, we'll pay him. And I'm all like, well, yeah, you pay actors. He goes, but he's a dog. So then we also have to pay the handler. So we also have to pay you. So it's double payment. So I was like, we'll be right there. And you're like, I better get another dog. Let's get some triple payment. I know, right? So then when we got there, I'm nervous because he's never acted before. But um, the wardrobe person, she came over and she goes, was the dog off book? Well, he's Gizmo. He is a pro. Of course he was. Okay. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> he got his barks down immediately 
but then wardrobe came over and she goes okay and she had this little dog hanger with the clothes on it and she goes this is for gizmo gizmo was a little bummed because it was a pink dress but he he pulled it off very nicely mm-hmm. but yeah, gizmo's um, woke gizmo's like i'm playing a girl gizmo's just being woke <laughs> okay. gizmo's playing a girl totally fine totally right (laughs) and uh, he loved it like the camera started rolling he was just like on cue it was like he loved the camera he was like putting his face up and his chin up and I'm like oh wow I'm like he's nailing this this is awesome and then it just snowballed after that people just you know he referred us to other people and then just kept going I was like wow wait so are you a dog trainer so when I was a kid I used to train dogs yeah I used to show dogs and fairs yeah. Okay. So there we go. That's, that's further into that Wait. So, so you then trained the dogs as if it was a dog fair sort of thing. Is that like what we see in Westminster? What's that? The dog show. Oh, the dog show. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> um, so that's a little bit different because it's like, they have like a lot of the rules like I actually got gizmo because I wanted to start showing dogs again and mm-hmm. um with uh and so I searched two years for them for like the perfect bloodline all of that and um when you show dogs the perfect like, bloodline yeah the perfect little bloodline <laughs> yeah, did not know. realize it was yeah, a purebred pure dog yeah they gotta be purebreds mm-hmm. for you know for showing Mm-hmm. They have, to have okay. all the AKC paperwork, all of that. So I found Gizmo, got all of that. Cause I was like, you know, I want to show dogs again. You know, I want to get into, you know, what I did when I was a kid with training. And uh, so when you show dogs, they can't be spayed or neutered. So when I got Gizmo six months after I got him, his testicle never dropped. And I was like, uh oh. I'm like, uh oh. So I take him to the vet and they go, his testicle is stuck inside and they need to remove it or he'll eventually get a tumor, which means he then has to become neutered. So I'm like, Gizmo, oh, I searched for you for two years. <laughs> and then there went, you know, the, the show dog, but then the director mm-hmm. called and now he got into showbiz. So I guess. Okay. So he's still a show dog, just a different kind of show. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, so that's where my training kind of came from. When I was a kid, I was in 4-H and did all the training and agility courses and things like that. Yeah, so he was ready to act then because you can train dogs to that level. Pretty much, but I didn't realize, again, like what you're saying in the beginning, you know, I think everybody's talking to my dogs. (laughs) And then I think, oh, you know, yes, I trained dogs when I was a kid, but like it doesn't, it's not the same as acting. I don't know. Like, do they have doggy acting classes? I don't know. I feel like if there was anybody I would know that would know, it's you who has two dogs that are in show business. Hello. So no, wait, so I'm still baffled as to how that became like, all of my waking hours are going to be dedicated to my animals. Well, I think, you know, when I was a kid, like my family, um, they just kind of did their own thing. So like, I was very much by myself all the time. So I think I just kind of gravitated more towards animals. And mm-hmm. um, and then, yeah, it was pretty much all that I really hung out with. Like uh, we lived on a farm, so mm-hmm. we had cows, we had cats. I love the cats. We had one, ca- uh, one cat and we called her Mama Cat. And uh, every summer- <laughs> Did you name it after the girl from, uh, what's the Mamas and the Papas? No, I don't, what's that? <laughs> Mama Cass is the lead singer of that band. Oh. I did not know that. <laughs> I feel stupid. 
Oh no, that's a sixties trivia fact from Aaron. That's oh, okay, good. <laughs> but yeah, so every summer she would have a litter of kittens, and all I would do, I'd be so happy, I'd be so excited, and then I would take because she would always have them in the barn, and mm-hmm. I would take them out after you know their eyes would open, and I would make a little fort up by the house with blankets and everything, and I'd bring them all out there, and then Mama Cat would always come over and try to take them back one by one, going back to the barn. Yeah, of course she would. I know. You're stealing her babies. I, well, she came too, but then after a while, she was like, nope, I'm good. I'm bringing them back. You can have mm-hmm. them tomorrow to babysit. So I'm sure everyone compared you to Fern from Charlotte's Web then. I have no idea. I have not seen it. I remember the book, but no, I've never seen it. Yeah, I mean, it's the same story, but Fern's the girl who gets too attached to the animals on the farm. Oh, wow, I'm surprised nobody referenced me with that. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds like you're exactly that. Like, it's almost like I was waiting for the story of like, and then I had a pig and a spider. And oh, I did the, have the a spider pig. <laughs> I did have a pig. My, my, pet, my pet pig was named Dumpster, but I didn't have a spider. A, this name is Dumpster. That's actually a great name for a pig or a pro wrestler. Dumpster. Pro wrestler. <laughs> I like that. Pro wrestler. <laughs> Wait, so um, you were growing up on the farm. You're like Fern. You're training animals. Did you train anything outside of dogs? No. No, I tried Do to train them. you know how to? Like, if, if someone was like, hey, train this pig to be a show pig. Do you think you could do it? I don't think so. I okay. don't think so. <laughs> pigs don't think like how dogs think. You know, like, pigs are very stubborn. <laughs> They'll train really, you. I mean, I they'll guess. train you more than they'll than you can train them. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll believe that with that specific animal. <laughs> I was like, I can you teach a know. cat manners? Can you teach a cat to be a nice person? <laughs> okay, no, so then how did you go from having a dog that you just happen to train to it doing commercials? <gasps> To then the dog being like, hey, in between these commercials, we need to get some stand-up gigs because I got these weekdays free. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I always wanted to try stand-up. Like, because like I did the act. There we go. That's what I'm getting at. You always wanted yeah. to try stand-up. Yes, I did. I always wanted to try it. I know. Thank you, Aaron, pointing it out. Not the dogs. <laughs> Not the, mm-hmm. But um, but then like with acting, I then went into creating film like the films came after acting before the stand-up and then I started mm-hmm. creating short films web series and we started winning film festivals and um and then Gizmo was acting in all of those as well and then they're always more on the comedy line like I didn't realize some of it was comedy people had to tell me your videos are like really comedy like you have a lot of you know like there's darkness in some of your stuff okay wait no so explain one to me that you did not realize was comedy where people are like hey you know this is <laughs> oh, so like at your mother's funeral and you're like <laughs> so many so using it like many. a puppet and they're like hey you should just call this comedy because otherwise it's just disturbing oh well, it would definitely be my first short film which was called puppies and tiaras so it was a spoof of tiara uh, toddlers and tiaras um mm-hmm. so that one i kind of knew was wait but you felt like that was dramatic no that one i knew was definitely more on the lines of comedy because it was a spoof. But I did create one called Narcissist, uh, Narcissistic Date Night. 
And that I thought was more on the drama side because it dealt with narcissism and narcissistic abuse and emotional abuse and stuff like that. And- um, Which is really just comedians. Oh, which is, oh, <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> I like the shrug, the shoulder shrug. Yeah, sorry, sorry if I nailed it. <laughs> oh no. Um, so, you know, it's like, you know, very like dramatic topic, but how I film, like my directing style is very like bright colors, very, um, uh, bright lighting too. You know, I do very commercial kind of lighting instead of, you know, like the harsh shadows and stuff like that. And, and I guess how, like I talked about like jingles, (laughs) jingles in it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, your dogs look like a double mint commercial for dogs. If that company was going to make gum for dogs. Oh my God, that'd be a great little spoof. <laughs> well, I'm not going to make it. I don't have two trained dogs. So if you want it. <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah, so and then, and then all, like having Gizmo too, he just, I don't know, having him like on screen too, just kind of is like comedic relief. So it's still a dramatic like video. You're telling me your dog doesn't have dramatic acting chops. (laughs) Oh, should he start showing the teeth? (laughs) Exactly. Like Benji the Hunted. (laughs) Benji. (laughs) Yeah, that was like the, that to me is the best dog drama acting (laughs) I've ever seen. Every time I have a dog acting, it's always goofy. Only Benji was like, I'm only taking serious roles. I'm going to be taken seriously as a dog actor, damn it. I love that you say that because in our stand-up comedy, I say that Gizmo's a method actor because, and then when he goes method, he always makes me call him Benji for a month because it's just, you know, Benji, like everybody knows Benji. Yeah. Oh yeah. Benji's the most famous. I mean, Lassie, I guess. Oh yeah. Lassie too. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. I think Benji is just a funnier name. Benji. Benji is a funnier name for sure. I mean, and Lassie's more of a an action hero than a than a drama. <laughs> <laughs> like Airbud. Well, no, Airbud's not, not an action hero now. <laughs> well, well, it's sports, right? Like he's a yeah, hero. Exactly. hero Airbud got his start in sitcoms. Oh, he's in sitcoms now too. Or well, Airbud was Comet in Full House. It's the same dog. I did not know that. Who's the dog acting buff now? <laughs> I have never claimed I am the dog acting buff. Just the dog acting buff of Gizmo and Starlina. I'm their mama joke. Yeah, no, Comet was... That's, I mean, my joke would be that's why Comet left the show in Full House. You know, because Comet's not there after Airbud. After Airbud's made, the dog's not back. But it's not because the dog got too big. It's because the dog died. And they didn't want to replace the dog, you know, like, and just, but they also didn't do an episode where they explained the dog died. So also the dog died before Airbud came out in theaters. So the dog never saw the success of Airbud. Oh, you are such a comic. (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) You're just like, I'm going to just dark. Airbud didn't die of suicide. I mean, it was. (laughs) Everybody's like, it's all over now. Once everyone sees this embarrassing movie, not even realizing it's going to become the classic it becomes. What if Airbud died of a drug overdose? After rehab? Yeah, it was like that movie was a huge success. I'm going to go to the Viper Room. 
I'm going to go to the Viper room. <laughs> yeah, he's Airbud. He can get into whatever he wants. He would be able to get into all those Hollywood clubs. <laughs> okay, wait. So how long did you want to do stand-up before you did stand-up? And then at what point did you go, hey, maybe I shouldn't do this by myself. Maybe I should bring two dogs up there. <laughs> okay, so I want, I've wanted to do stand-up probably since maybe my early 20s. Okay. And then my brother always told me I wasn't funny and I can't do comedy. So that's why awesome. I always thought, hey, no, awesome, so, right? So you murdered him and then started doing comedy. Uh, no, I believed him. I uh, go, okay. So then I just started, you know, creating more like kind of drama videos, but it still turned out to be comedy because I guess, you know, that's just kind of my personality, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit um, more like feel good comedy, you know, like not like full on like joke after joke after joke, but just kind of feel good comedy sprinkled in with jokes for like my web series. Cause like, I didn't know the joke structure yet. I didn't know how that worked. And then I think it was- Oh wait, for anybody listening, if you want to start doing comedy, no one starts off knowing the joke structure. You learn that as you go. You don't need to know that to start. In fact, if you go watch brand new people, they don't know it. Mm-mm. That's the best part is you don't need to know any of that. Everyone thinks they need to have that down. And you're like, you don't. All right. I'm sorry. Keep going. Well, no, I think it was good that you said that for sure. Cause it's like, I wish I knew that. Cause I think that's what got me too scared to do stand up comedy because it was like the I hardest part of somebody awesome. who wants to start doing it is getting them the push to actually start when they don't realize it's the easiest step. Um, that's the weird part is because they're like, they put all these things in front of them and it's just them mentally st- stopping themselves. It's so true. It's so true. And then it always sucks. Like, because like when you first start, normally you're not going to be that great on stage. And then it's like bomb. And then it's just like, oh, you just feel awful. And then it's just like, yeah, do I really want to continue with this? <laughs> you're not supposed to be great. Uh, you're going to experience bombs regardless of how, what level you're at. Right. And you're only going to get better. It's, I mean, you know, I, I, knew that part going in so when I, my first time up i bombed miserably but i was like cool see you guys next week like it wasn't like i was worried about bombing oh wow so you like after you bombed the first time that you did it you're like okay this is just kind of like what happens and now i'm just going to continue and keep getting yeah going. well i also knew that no matter what i wrote it wasn't going to have a 100 ratio and i didn't realize that i was going to have a 100 miss ratio Right. And so I think I did it for like four weeks before I got a laugh. And wow. then that's okay. that only got one laugh. But then I was like, oh, well, that's better. one laugh. <laughs> yep. Doing it. I knew I was funny off stage. I just knew that I couldn't, I didn't know how to transfer it on stage yet. Right. Well, because it's so different. And, it's so yeah. different. No one realizes how different it is. No. Because it looks so easy when people are doing it right on the stage. And so people prepare for what they think it is, but they don't know what it is yet. And so you're like, that's why you need to go up before you know. So you can start to prepare for what it actually is. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. My sister said it great. It's like learning how to swim without getting wet. All the preparation you do before that is just like, oh, no, I think this is what swimming looks like. You're like, <laughs> you have to jump in the pool to figure out how to swim like when you put dogs right in like above the water and they start swimming before they even get in yeah that's what it's like when people go to open mics watch them and never go up if they want to it's exactly what that is they're just paddling above the- <laughs> i like that we're both paddling right now that was fun, that was fun. yeah <laughs> well, i'm a very yes and personality if you do that i will join in on whatever's going on 
Okay, wait. So you started to learn the bit of the structure. Your brother is not supportive. That's on a recording, brother. Um, <laughs> That's on a recording. <laughs> well, let me do it like Hulk Hogan. That's on a recording, brother. So, um, so at what point did you then go? Okay, I'm going. I said, did you go up on stage without the dogs at first, or were the dogs always a part of the act? I have never done it without Gizmo. Have you ever considered maybe doing something that's not about the dogs? No, I've tried it. I've tried it. I've actually tried it and I just didn't enjoy it. It just wasn't fun for me. Um, cause like, cause like when I first started in stand up comedy, I always did, um, where gives, so technically I was to the audience up there by myself. But Gizmo was up there because I had him in my purse, but he always hid in my purse. And the, the end of my set, the punchline was, because I'd talk about him throughout the set. And at the mm-hmm. end, I would say, oh, my dog's been up here on the stage this whole time. He's even dressed in a tuxedo. And everybody laughed. They're like, yeah, right. And then I go, oh, you don't believe me. And then I pull him out of, the, out of my purse wearing a tuxedo and they just die. So technically, like, People in the audience thought I was doing it all by myself up there, but then I revealed that he was there the whole time. But I have tried stand-up where it's like without Gizmo, and I just honestly, I just don't have fun. I don't, I, I, I have because like it's more of like a, kind of like a stand-up comedy show a little bit, you know, like where it's like. Mm-hmm. So it does feel showy because you do dress them up very showy. Yeah. Yeah, but I've you know, you guys wear matching outfits. Yeah, we wear matching outfits. <laughs> uh, we <wear laughs> you definitely outfits. made it sound more like an emotional support thing than any other emotional support animal example I've ever heard. What do you mean? Where you're like, even when the audience doesn't know that he's there, I know that he's there and that's what I need to make it fun for me. And I'm like, this is an emotional support animal at this point. Oh my gosh. Well, Gizmo is actually my service dog. He has been for 12 years now. Um, so that's probably another- But does he do sign language? Say that again? Does he do sign language? No, do you? <laughs> No. No. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. So, um, I think you know, I that's another reason why actually the director um called me for Gizmo when he did his commercial was because he knew that he was a trained service dog. So he's like, I know that we can do. Wait, all what's the that. service he provides? I have PTSD, so he um, th- his tasks are if he can sense that I get a PTSD attack, he can call me before it happens, and then he also reminds me about medications. So when you have the um, the attacks, how does he do? Like, is it like he jumps on your lap, or what does he do to to get you down? Pretty much, it's like it's so funny because like when we're on set and. He- Cause like, you know, when you're on set filming and stuff like that, it's, it's a lot of work and a lot of stress and, mm. um, and, uh, he can actually sense other people too. And there was a director that I worked with and she, uh, just, it's common for all of us, you know, where all of a sudden you're just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to have a panic attack here. And it was just too much stuff going on. And he looked at me and I nodded cause he always looks at me to see if he can go and, you mm-hmm. know console somebody else and I nodded and he walks over to her sits right in her lap and every she goes oh my god and she's like he really is a service dog and it just like made her day um so they just dogs can sense stuff you know like they can sense things Mm. and I think it's just the fact of how loving they are where all of a sudden our brains can just turn like okay let's just focus on this emotion instead of you know everything else in the world So when you take your medicine, do you have to show Gizmo? You're like, hey, 
<laughs> Look, it's one o'clock. This is my one o'clock. This is my one o'clock. <laughs> or can he sense something where it's just like, ah, oh, no, no, she needs her meds. <laughs> oh no, she's going crazy. I better go yeah. get the medication. She's looking too anxious. <laughs> she's looking too anxious. Oh, my, oh, one time. Oh my God. One time we were at the airport and uh, this was before Starlina was born. And, uh, and there were two twin like toddlers. They had been be- between like two or three years old and, um, and a mother just by herself with these two toddlers and we're going through security. And one of the toddlers was just screaming, just crying. And, you know, like, and the other one wasn't, but I could tell the mother was just like devastated. Like, you know, she's carrying all their stuff. One's just screaming and Gizmo gave me that look again. He goes, can I mom? Can I go? Go right ahead. He ran over there right to the boy that was screaming and uh, gave gave him kisses. And all of a sudden he stopped. The mom looked at me and she's like, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> so it's just, I don't know. I, I can't explain how they know. They just know. Yeah, no, I know. I get that part. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, they are very in tune. They're very, they're, they're empaths. But I was like, how does the dog know oh, for the medication? to take your medicine? And if you did take your medicine. <laughs> well, it's not like girl interrupted where they like make you open your mouth after you take the medication. Well, you made it sound like that a little where it was just like dog no. interrupted. Where it was, <laughs> dog where you interrupted. your dog up like a nurse and it brings out a little cup and it's like, mom, mom, come on. That would be hilarious. Now that's another good sketch to do. <laughs> Uh, no it's more like repetition so it's always at the same time and then like it takes a little bit to train because it's like Mm -hmm. and especially when you do time differences too like since we travel between Los Angeles and Wisconsin a lot you know there's that two hour time difference so it takes a little bit to get back on that schedule but um as long as you do it at the exact same time uh it just becomes a habit um I started off with uh music so the song would always play at the exact same time and then they would get used to like Starlina. She does it so great. Like she's just right there. Like if she hears the, the music, it's right there and then sits. It's like, okay, it's time. It's time. And it's always the you same know, song. Um, the morning one is the same song and the evening one is the same song. So if so, it's on the radio, would they be like, hey, oh I my gosh, they probably would. Because the song, um, because the song in the evening is for Gizmo's medication. He has um, heart failure. So I picked the song Happy by Pharrell because I'm happy that he's still alive. So um, yeah, that song played, they would definitely, because they'd be like, where's our medication? Because I wrap it in cheese and everything. So they're like, okay, okay. (laughs) So if you ever took it to Universal Studios and walked past the Minions ride, they'd be like, oh my God, it's time. It's time for our medication. <laughs> they get so excited for medication time. It sounds like it tastes great. Or it's an enema. Oh. <laughs> Aaron! That's Jana Lee. Jana Lee, J-A-H-N-N-A-L-E-E. You can follow her on Instagram at Jana Lee. You can follow her dogs at the Furry Kiddos. They're also, I'm sure, on TikTok and everywhere else there's videos to be monetized. In fact, I can see right here she does have a large TikTok following where she does a bunch of skits with her dogs. Of course she does. I It wouldn't make sense for her not to at this point. Everything revolves around the dogs. Uh, in fact, 
the dogs did send me a message afterwards. They were like, uh, this wasn't enough about us. So, guys, thank you for enjoying the episode, generally, and the furry kiddos. That is uh, an episode where my microphone I normally use for doing Zoom interviews did not work. It's the first time it hasn't worked. Uh, I have an in-person interview today, so I don't know. Maybe next week. I'm going to try to make sure all of that's figured out before Kenobi comes out. Because, of course, to me, it all revolves around the Star Wars podcast. Uh, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for Kenobi. But, yep, still figuring out the issues. Next week, I have a man named Earl Skakel. If you are anything inside the Los Angeles comedy scene, you very much already know who Earl Skakel is. If you're outside, you probably don't. Earl Skakel has been around the comedy store scene for somewhere between 15 to 20 years. Haven't talked to me to get the exact number. And to me, he was always a guy that would like talk to the new people and sort of teach them the ways of the comedy store. And it's always interesting when people first get to the comedy store. It's different than starting comedy because you watch how they try to interact and network within the scene. And sometimes it's a little too networky and gross, which we call palming, showing with your palms up to try to figure out what someone's going to hand you. Um, and, and he can spot that for a mile away, but he also can spot who's genuinely there for a mile away. So quite frequently, silently, I watch how people interact at the comedy store to figure out if I think they're just here to get famous or if they're here to become a good stand-up comic. Are they interested in the stand-up comedy at all? Most of the time they're interested in the bar and they're interested in trying to, uh, be friends with the most famous comedian at the bar at the time. And you're like, oh, danger zone, you know? But, like, people who find themselves hanging around Earl, normally pretty good people, and then you wait a year, and they, you see if they have a falling out because Earl will, it's almost like he vets them. He's like, no, no, that guy's a guy to watch out for. But other people are like, oh, no, no, that guy's just harmless. He's, you know, like, and so, you're like, you watch. Like, I always watch whenever people enter the scene who they go towards. Going towards Earl, to me, is the first green flag being able to stay around Earl is the second green flag. You know, like that's a next. That's the next thing, which I do got to get Sandy Danto because he did a great job of introducing me to people at the comedy store to make sure they treated me nice. And I already went, oh, Sandy, I already made my mind on everybody. I watched you guys before. It's like I was did the thing that, um, what is it, an Always Sunny. It's not Dennis. It's not Charlie Mack. The way Mack gives everyone an ocular pat down. I was like, I was really quiet my first couple months in comedy, giving everyone the ocular pat down to see, like, is this a person that should I just be neutral with? Is this a friend? Is this, you know, like, because you don't go as far as be like, I'm negative against that person, but you go, cool, I got to make sure to stay neutral with this person for a decade. You know, like, that does happen out here. Earl is great at that. I don't know what the conversation is going to be. He also loves pro wrestling, so we might cover some of that. And by the way, I never really approached Earl as a friend, and then after like knowing him casually for like five or six years, I found myself in conversations with him, and they're always very personal and very great, and I think he's a great guy. That's next week's episode. I'm sorry uh, for the, the Jana Lee fans. She got an intro last week. I give everyone the intro of the weeks around, which by the way, Jana and I talked about the business side of comedy after this, which was also a very interesting conversation, which made me wonder if I should have recorded that, but it was very much inside baseball for everything. And, uh, yeah, so boom, friends, got a lot of friends, put them on the show, you get to hear our conversations. That's next week. Of course, yeah, let's plug myself. I'm Aaron M. Marsh on everything. 
on uh, Instagram, on Venmo, on TikTok. I post uh, more stand-up clips on my TikTok than I do on my Instagram if you watch any of those and enjoy those. Uh, boom. I also, but I do promote the podcast more on my Instagram, so who knows? Uh, yeah, follow me, rate, review, subscribe to either of my podcasts. And as always, thank you for listening and thank you for putting up on me. Thank mm-hmm. you.